Welcome to the Win Daily Podcast. I got Brandon Williams here. This is Jason Mizrahi, and we're going to talk about some NFL Sunday, some MLB on Sunday. Brandon, how you doing, man? Doing fine. Uh, beautiful, uh, beautiful to be with you again. Uh, lots of sports to get into: baseball, football. We're going to start with some football, so let's dive into it. Yeah, so I'm going to tell our listeners right now that I've been so super focused on MLB that preseason football hasn't really been on my on my docket on my to do list. You know, I got my first big expert league draft tomorrow. I'll tell you that. Me and Scott Angle are splitting a team and. We got some competition. This is a league that Scott took down, I think, one or two times in the past couple of years or two-time champion. I don't know what he said, but he wants me to do it with him. So I'm hopping in there tomorrow. We're going to do a live draft in New York City with some people from Sirius, some other experts. I'm going to let Scott take the helm. But, Brandon, we got the Saints and the Chargers. Um, four o'clock game. It's a two-game slate. You know, if this was a regular season game, and I'm talking about you know, week one NFL, I, I want Kamara. I want possibly Rivers or Breeze. Definitely want Keenan Allen on that backside, but we're talking preseason. So we're not going to talk about Breeze, probably, I'm assuming, maybe. Um, we're probably not going to be talking too much about Keenan or Kamara. So who are we talking about in the Saints and Chargers if we want to play this two-game slate on FanDuel DraftKings? Uh, yeah, you're dead on. You're probably going to see maybe a quarter or so from your starters from both New Orleans and Los Angeles. Uh, so you want to focus on the guys that are going to get touches the rest of the way. When you look at New Orleans, uh, Latavius Murray's bidding to get that number two job at running back. I think you probably will see a considerable amount of him. Might also see a little bit of Jaquiz Rogers in there as well. It's a tight race uh, at running back behind Alvin Kamara. I think Murray and Rogers are your two and three, but you do have a couple of kids uh, that could be a factor. Divine Elzebo uh, from Nebraska is someone you might want to take a look at uh, as well. Wide receiver, uh, you're not going to see any of their big guns. You know, you're not going to see a lot of Michael Thomas. You're not going to see a uh, bunch of Ted Ginn. So take a look. Uh, take a look at little Jordan Humphrey, uh, rookie receiver out of Texas, six four, two twenty five. Big guy could be an could be an opportunity for him to really solidify himself and get maybe that fifth or sixth wide receiver spot, depending on how many wideouts the Saints go with. Traquan Smith, uh, another wide receiver, second year out of Central Florida, is another ball player that you'll want to watch in that contest as well. Now, for the Chargers, you know, it's, again, second preseason game. You're not going to see a lot of their, uh, a lot of the big players. Uh, Philip Rivers will get a quarter in there, but the position we're all going to be looking at really is running back since you don't have a uh, Gordon in as of right now. Uh, Austin Eckler is probably going to get the bulk of the carries uh, in the first quarter. Then from there, you're probably looking at, say, maybe Garrett Gore working for Louisiana Monroe. Justin Jackson is uh, probably the running back I would look at if I'm, uh, if I'm playing fantasy ball here. Uh, at wide receiver, Malachi Dupree is a very interesting prospect. Keep an eye out for Justice Miggins uh, out of Stephen F. Austin. He's got a pretty solid camp. Is bidding to be maybe the fifth wide receiver. Also, take a look at Artavis Scott uh, as well. Another young wideout that's probably going to get a, a lot of targets in there. Tight end, you know, I think a lot of people will be looking to see how Hunter Henry uh, looks in maybe the quarter or so that he looks uh, looks in. Vince Bale uh, will probably get some uh, considerable looks at tight end. Former wide receiver now getting some looks at uh, tight end for Washington State. All right, so. 
let's bring it back to strategy a little bit. I like talking strategy. That's where I can kind of hop in and help out here. So we have a two-game slate. There's going to be some overlap. It's preseason, so that changes things. But from a two-game slate perspective, I was playing this like a traditional week one game. Um, the first thing I'll look at between these two games, and Brandon, I'm going to ask you, and I don't know if you can even give me an answer because I don't even know if you know or I don't even know how you would predict how a backup defensive unit's going to play for both these squads. But my question is, you have Saints Chargers and then you got Seahawks Vikings. I want to know which one of these two games do you see as more of a potential shootout? Obviously, if it was a regular season game, I would say Saints Chargers. That's how they play out. But preseason, which which of these games, before we even break down the players, which of these games do you think is more of a shootout potential? Um, we're looking for bad defenses or looking for potent offenses, which, again, preseason makes it tough. But what, what can you say here? Uh, when looking at these two games, I probably would lean towards Seattle and Minnesota being more of the shootout contest here. Uh, both of those teams are going to have solid backup quarterbacks uh, that are going to get opportunities to get the ball downfield. Uh, there's a lot of competition uh, for uh, roles and skill positions, especially when you look at Seattle and their wide receiver situation. Minnesota at running back. Uh, once you get uh, once you get past uh, the lead starters, yo, know, you're probably going to want to take a look at uh, their backs as well. When you look at defenses, uh, Minnesota solid defense, you know, as usual when uh, they are playing regular season. Uh, but I think that Seattle's defense and Minnesota's defense. You know, when you look at the reserves, probably not as strong. And I think that there will be an opportunity for a shootout in this one. A lot more than I would say for uh, the Saints-Chargers game. Yeah, and that's like interesting you say that. You know, and I think that's a good take. If, if you're right on that call, you know, from from first look, you know, I would say when I, I know how bad the Chargers and have been in defense in, in previous years. And the Saints, you know, they shored some things up last year, but – it's so hard to tell now with preseason who which of these guys are going to play. But, you know, if you're going to stack one of these games and if, you know, if Brandon's telling you it's the Seahawks and it's the Vikings, that's a game to target here. What you're going to want to do is this. You find out which quarterback, and Brandon's going to tell you which of the quarterbacks you should play in this game. You take the quarterback from that team, and you're probably going to want to pair him with two receivers minimum, um, I would think, and maybe even a tight end, and just hope that this guy's chucking all day long, all night long, um, to these receivers and then get the most run and you're you're compounding your points from your passing yards, your passing touchdowns, your receiving yards and receiving touchdowns. And then you gotta put some game theory on the backside. All right, it's gonna be a shootout now. So what would determine a shootout here? Um, running back. If I'm taking a quarterback from one side, I kinda want the running back that maybe he's gonna try to bleed out the clock late in the game and accumulate some more rushing yards, maybe a rushing touchdown early he grabs but he's going to get all that work going on the backside. So if we're going to say Seattle is going to be chasing, um, we put some game theory in, the Vikings are going to be winning, so I want my Seattle pass offense versus uh, my Vikings run offense, but I still want some passing from the Vikings side too, so I'll throw in a wide receiver and a tight end from that side, and that's what a game stack will be. You know, It doesn't really show as much on a two-game slate because there's going to be so much overlap between it and the player pool is lessened. But on a game stat, on a normal Sunday when there's eight games or nine games um, in a slate, that's what can win a, a tournament for you and a GPP for you. You pick out that shootout game that goes 34-30, and 
and most of the other games go 20, you know, somewhere in the high 20s to low 30s, and that game shoots out by 20 on top of the rest of the games, you're going to be at the top if you pick the right offensive players, of course, but you're going to be right there. And that's what you want to think about when you're talking about this game theory. Uh, Brandon, now Seahawks-Vikings, you're saying that this game is the game to target in these two games. Which quarterback do you think is going to be throwing a ball and chucking a ball in this game? Uh, look at Minnesota. I think you're going to look at Sean Mannion uh, as the quarterback of note. Uh, Kirk Cousins will probably get a quarter, maybe a snap or two, a series or two in the second quarter. Uh, Mannion's probably going to get a look at the third, you know, maybe early in the fourth. Jake Browning's rookie uh, from Washington might be something of a factor, but I think it'll be more of Mannion since they are going to look to make sure that he is solid and ready to go as far as solidifying that number two spot behind Kirk Cousins. Um, when you look at Seattle's roster, uh, it's kind of wide open at quarterback right now. You know, obviously Russell Wilson will get his quarter work in, but I would not be surprised if they go a quarter each with JT Barrett, Paxton Lynch, and Geno Smith. So I'd probably lean more towards Mangan here. Okay. All right. Any receivers or running backs you think in this game? I know you mentioned the Chargers guys that you like, uh, but any receivers here you want to talk about? Yeah, and you certainly want to take a look at how DJ Metcalf fares. He's certainly going to get you know some considerable looks. What, what's your wait? I'm going to cut you off. What's this guy's prediction for the season? The guy's in the best shape of the world in the world. What, what does he turn out to be this year? Uh, to me, I think that a median is probably going to be around 50 catches, about 650 yards, and five touchdowns. He's not going to be a guy that's going to set the world on fire. Not in that offense in Seattle, even though they do throw the ball a bit more. Probably someone who will have some flashes uh, here and there, but you know he's probably he's a he's he's the he's you're pegging him as the wide receiver three in that offense right now. Yeah, I think he's going to end up being the wide receiver three uh, in that offense. I think Tyler Lockett will get one of the spots uh, at wide receiver. Uh, I think that you know you're also looking at uh, the prospect of maybe uh, you know maybe Metcalf gets in there, but you've got a couple of other guys that you know could be uh, surprises. Maybe a Malik Turner, maybe an Xavier Turner. David Moore's had a pretty strong training camp. They're going to do everything they can to get Metcalf uh, the ball. They're going to do everything they can to see to it that he gets the starting job. Uh, and if he does, I'm still gonna, I'm still going to be a bit hesitant on him. Uh, word is that you know guy with all the talent in the world not the best route runner uh that you're going might to work get, out so. you know i would say if, if you're a bad route runner or you're pegged to be or maybe they're predicting you are what better quarterback to have than russell wilson who's most of his plays on broken plays so if metcalf can come across and just start knocking people over when a play is kind of you know running on its on its heels here and and start making moves kind of like baldwin used to do a lot of after the play type of stuff. So interesting to see. Like I'm, I'm interested to also get your take. We'll talk some football. People are bothering me every day for drafts. Every time I see somebody, now I'm the guy that people has to ask. I wrote a book. Now, oh, when should I draft this guy? When should I draft this guy? What are you doing in that Seattle backfield? Who, who is it? Uh, I think when you go, when you look into that backfield, I think that you're probably going to end up going with uh, Chris Carson. I think he's probably going to be the more consistent up the back. I know they do like Rashad Penny, who had some flashes last season. I think C.J. Procise will settle more into being the third down back with J.T. McKissick fighting to get that uh, last spot at running back, probably edging out Bo Scarborough. 
All right, I'll ask you two last tough questions, and then you can put me on the spot in MLB. Who do you want in that Chargers backfield drafting? He's drafting tomorrow. I'm assuming – give me your – I'm not going to assume anything. Give me your calls. What are you doing with that offense? What are you doing with Gordon? What are you doing with Jackson and, and uh, Eckler? Uh, I would probably look at Eckler as being the uh, running back I would grab maybe uh, toward the tail end. If you are going to draft uh, Melvin Gordon, uh, you probably certainly want to make sure that you're handcuffing Eckler uh, in there. Justin Jackson does have the potential uh, to get some touches, especially if uh, Gordon begins the season uh, on the sidelines. If that's the case, I think Justin Jackson has some sleeper potential in there. Uh, Eckler, great receiver out of the backfield, but he kind of wore down toward the end of last season. Yeah, that's, why, that's what I'm saying, too. I'm grabbing him. Like, I did a lot of drafts already on, on best ball drafts, and I've been grabbing him. Uh, I think they're really interesting. I don't know. The way, the way last year broke down – You'd have to, if you're a gambling man, you'd have to think one of these dudes is not going to work out for him. Whether it's Zeke or whether it's Gordon, um, you're from the the Texas area. What do you think happens with Zeke? What do you think happens with Gordon? You think they play this year? Do you think they play for their teams? Or what do you think happens with both of them? I think both eventually play. Uh, I think that you'll probably see uh, Gordon back uh, with the Chargers before you will see Zeke. Really? Uh, Really? That, I would have I yeah, guessed the other uh, way for some reason. I don't I, know why. I, I really think that what has happened uh, with uh, Le'Veon Bell last year, Le'Veon Bell has kind of showed these running backs the way that, you know, if you're not going to get your money, you know, early on in your career, you know, why not sit out the season to prove a point and also preserve your body? Uh, so I think that when it comes to necessity, and I think that, you know, if you're looking at a team, that thinks they've got a legitimate Super Bowl opportunity. The Cowboys are certainly that team over the Chargers. Not that uh, Los Angeles doesn't have a good shot at it, but I think that the Cowboys are probably going to be more of a necessity. And I think that this will be one time that Jerry Jones blinks and gives Ezekiel Elliott what he needs. So he's not only, he's not only going to pay Zeke, he's also going to pay uh, uh, the man Dak, whatever he's asking. I heard $40 million out of that dude. Yeah, uh, he's looking at you know forty million dollars, which is you know laughable. Uh, crazy, it's really crazy. Like nothing against Dak, but he he doesn't strike me as a guy that should get forty million. But there's so much yeah. money being thrown at all these different athletes and all these different leagues. I guess I guess he's worth forty. I don't know, but forty is is, is, is insane for a dude like that. Yeah, I guess that, you know, he's living proof of knowing his worth. I think that he'll end up getting somewhere in between 30 to 40. I'd probably say he'll sell around, say, maybe 33 uh, with some bonuses here and there. Is he even uh, a top 10 quarterback in the league? I think he's on the outside edge of being a top 10 quarterback in the league. So if uh, he gets 40, what does the guy in first get? If he's 40, then goodness gracious, and Tom Brady ought <laughs> to be talking about tearing up his contract. Yeah, they should be getting 120 million each then, bro. It's crazy. But uh, that's enough NFL talk. We're gonna definitely going to be talking a lot more NFL. Brandon uh, will be on our NFL shows um, along with everybody else. we got preseason content out. I don't know if anybody's seen it yet. It's up there. It's free. All you got to do is register to the site, fill out about three fields, and you get preseason content that turns into cash because nobody else is giving you preseason content. So if you're not reading, you're not signing up at windailysports.com. You're kind of crazy. I'm just putting that out there to the listeners. We're providing value for free. Um, Our MLB writer, uh, Tenacious Jones, David Jones, uh, pulled home $108,000. Basically tells you 
who he's playing in Slack before he does it, and then he goes out there and wins a tournament for a hundred thousand and wins about eight thousand dollars separately in two other tournaments. And he had a pretty good what was it a Wednesday night or a Thursday night? I, I don't remember the last time I had a Thursday I think night. It was Wednesday when, night he had a monster night. Yeah, when it happened to me it was Friday and Saturday. He got the Wednesday night hundred grand, which is you know, breaks up your week. You know, it's kinda like you're going through Monday, you go to work on Tuesday. And you win $100,000 on Wednesday, and it kind of carries you into the weekend on Thursday and Friday. But uh, I think he went to work the next day. I went to work the next day after my big hits. I didn't let it change me or affect me. I didn't even tell everybody. Um, I kind of kept it a secret. Just told my very, very close inner circle. And some people probably don't even know still. You know, they, they, they're not my friend. Uh, they didn't read the book. They don't check the website. don't check Twitter. They don't know. Um, but... It's, it's possible, man. You can do it if you put the work in. Um, we're going to try to help you today. Um, we got San Diego versus Philadelphia. Now we're talking MLB. We'll try to get through this pretty quick. It's a Sunday slate. I'm talking FanDuel. We have nine games. San Diego and Philadelphia. Runs are being scored right now across the board. Um, in a lot of these games on Saturday night, it's been hot. And the East Coast has been hot pretty much everywhere. The ball's carrying. Some teams are out of it, and some pe- some teams are fighting for their life. So when that kind of things, those kind of things happen, um, you will see fireworks. Lucchese versus Vargas. I don't know if it's going to happen here, uh, but these are two pitchers that are definitely attackable. I don't want to pitch them. They're kind of cheap. They they make some sense, but not in Philadelphia, not in a hitter's park, um, not the way these teams are playing right now. I think these two guys are a fade from a pitching perspective. Maybe you want to sack against Vargas, but with Tatis out, that San Diego lineup weakened a little bit. What do you think, Brandon? Do you like this game from a from a stack or a pitcher potential? I like this uh, more for uh, stack potential. Uh, really? When you look at, you know, for Philadelphia, you have to think they're hitting the ball at around see, maybe a 340 clip since Charlie Manuel became the hitting coach on Wednesday. Uh, they've had three straight games with at least 10 hits uh, entering Saturday's play. Do you think uh, that's just the, uh, the momentum that Karen, or do you think Charlie's getting in there and teaching Bryce Harper how to hit again? I think that Charlie's showing Bryce Harper how to hit again. I think that he's showing a more aggressive side uh, to Harper and letting this guy letting this guy focus more on ripping the baseball instead of being more patient. I think that you know that has been something of a fault of of, of Harper uh, throughout his career. Uh, I think that, you know, now that he's got, uh, now that he seems like he's got a ton of momentum working with him, it's working with the rest of those bats and with the way Lucchese has struggled, you know, the second half, his fastballs dropped off at least a couple of miles per hour. Not that this guy was throwing Nolan Ryan heat, but he's sitting now in the upper 80s right now. To me, that's a stack in a big way. All right. All right. I don't think it'll be the top stack. So if you believe Brandon is right on this one, I think, those Phillies definitely come in, you know, severely under-owned. They see Lucchese's name. They hesitate to stack against him. I think Lucchese has sneaky value. I would pitch him over Vargas, but I don't know if we need to go there on this type of slate. Let's get through the rest of the games. You know, Lucchese is, he's a, you know, it can go either way, but I can't see myself pitching him even at the discount. Um, now we have two hot offenses, Cleveland. They they suck so badly in the beginning of the year. They probably cost me around four to five to ten thousand dollars of my my money I lost, um, and they probably cost me a lot more money in potential earnings if they actually showed up around the season. But the second half, 
you know, it's a different lineup. They're hitting, they're, they're winning. Um, they're battling for, you know, playoff contention. They're going into New York, Hitters Park versus Sabathia. I got to think that's a good matchup for Cleveland. Um, Clevenger on the back side of things. I don't want to pitch him, but I don't want to hit against him. But these Cleveland bats make sense to me. Um, Santana at first base. Kipnis, no platoon, but, you know, maybe you want to get him for the cheap, hitting kind of close to the middle of that lineup. But the guys you probably want are Lindor and Ramirez, um, who both have been really hot. And maybe you slide Puig in the outfield. How do you feel about a Cleveland stack here? Uh, there is certainly uh, some upside to uh, that one. I certainly agree with you on uh, getting Jason Kipnis bat in there. Uh, he has been real solid since uh, the All-Star break. Uh, you look at Carlos Santana, 4,200 over at uh, DraftKings. I think you can slide him in there. You could probably also get Francisco Lindor at 42. Or if you want to uh, go with one or the other, you could go Lindor at 42, Puig at 3,300, and maybe take a shot at a Framel Reyes at $2,800. Yeah, I think I think there's some guys you definitely can play here um, from the Cleveland side. I'm not going to pitch Clevenger. I'm not going to stack the Yankees. It'd probably be... Cleveland or nothing for me as far as the bats go. Um, this is probably the game you want the most part of, at least so far, um, when it comes to my my angle. Um, I want these righties versus black. Um, the Red Sox have been hitting a little better. Mookie, JD, those are the first two guys are going to slide in. I have no problem sliding Endeavors, even lefty-lefty. And the last guy I would like to get, if I can afford it, would be Bogarts. Um, if, I can get, if I can find a way to get Betts, Martinez, Bogarts, Endeavors in, if I have to slide off Devers and maybe grab one of the, you know, of Vasquez or any of these right-handers that are going to be maybe come in a little bit cheaper, uh, Travis or, you know, one of these dudes that play first, they kind of mix that DH, um, wherever you can find them when this lineup rolls out Sunday morning. You know, I like Boston a lot here. I think they're the best stack of this early slate um, on Sunday, and that's what I want. Evaldi pitching on the backside, I don't know how long. He's going to last in this game. I don't know if they have him pegged for, you know, a pitch count of some sort. I know he's been pitching out of the bullpen a lot. Long relief. I'm not going to – probably not going to stack against him with Baltimore because I don't trust Baltimore. I can't pitch him. It's probably going to be a, a bullpen game, but you feel strongly as I do on these Red Sox bats? Uh, I would agree with you entirely that this would be the stack of the afternoon, uh, of the afternoon slate. Uh, the bats that you mentioned, you certainly will. I certainly will agree with you uh, in there. Certainly, guys that you know are affordable, or if you want to go with the real deep stack, yeah, you will probably sacrifice some pitching, but I think it'll certainly be worth it. Certainly, will be a bullpen type game. Uh, Black is probably not going to give you any more than about say maybe four innings, if that. So, with the way the Red Sox have been hitting the ball of late, uh, this is one you strongly, I would strongly recommend stacking Red Sox over over anyone else on the schedule. Yeah, the next team I want to stack, though, comes in the next game. And these Blue Jays, another team that kind of let me down early in the season, you know, they weren't hitting well. They didn't have an offense. They kept on coming up in good matchups and and failing. And then when they brought up these three rookies, all things have changed. And this is a dream, 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 dream matchup for Guerrero. Um, I know he left the game early, so we got to check on him on Sunday morning. We got to see what's going on with his left knee. They might hold him out. If that does happen, um, I'll lessen my exposure to the Blue Jays lineup. If he plays, we're good. We're going to roll him and Bichette and Grichik. And, you know, um, one of these guys 
whether you want to grab Smoke or Jansen. I've been getting them wrong. They keep on, you know, it's always like whoever's batting seventh or eighth, like a Brandon Drury or a Jansen, one of these guys, I'm always missing in my stack. And I can't tell you which one is going to go off, you know, on Sunday afternoon. But grab these righties, grab these power righties. I don't even mind it. If, if Guerrero's out, I'll still probably have shares here, if, you know, going against Kikuchi. So Hernandez, Drury, um, Bichette, Karichik, Guerrero, Jansen, any of these dudes smoke, I'm, I'm all aboard the Toronto stack. If I can find a way to get Toronto and Boston stacked up, I think that's where I'm going to land in this early slate. Um, anything you want to add on that Toronto-Seattle game? Uh, yeah, I would certainly consider uh, Derek Fisher at 2,700. Uh, yep. If he's in the lineup, uh, with the way that Kikushi, Kikushi has been shelled, uh, 23 home runs allowed uh, in 66 innings, and opponents are batting 346 against him in his last 14 starts where he's got a 750 ERA. So if you can't get balls, a heavy Red Sox stack working, you know, Toronto is shaping up to be a solid 1A. Yep. I completely agree, and that's why we keep you around, Brandon. Your stats back up what I feel in my heart. So I knew Kikuchi was bad, but those are pretty terrible numbers. Uh-huh. So grab your Blue Jays bats. Another interesting game here, two teams battling. Um, battling to have the best red-colored team in the league, um, both battling for wild-card spots. Cincinnati versus St. Louis. Flaherty probably, maybe, in some kind of Cy Young contention, uh, maybe second-half Cy Young contention. He's been dominating. He's been carrying the team from the pitcher perspective, you know, breathing some life into Rainwright. Rainwright's looking better, too. But Flaherty, if they do make the playoffs, he's probably – I'd have to think he's got to be their number one starter, 3.52 ERA, not enough wins, but guy's been pitching really well. But I don't know if I can trust um, going into Cincinnati at 10-7 on FanDuel. He's quite expensive. He's probably your best pitcher of the slate or one of your best pitchers of the slate, so you you, you got to think about him. If you can find a way to get him in, you, we really haven't talked about any other pitchers that we like, and Flaherty's probably one of the best out. Um, so between him – and two other guys that we're going to mention, we're going to have to make a decision up top of where to go. Um, how do you feel about Flaherty pitching in Cincinnati versus an offense that's fighting for a playoff spot and guys that have been hitting really good like Aquino, Van Meter, Senzo, Vado, Suarez? They have bats now. You know, they lost Puig, but I feel like their lineup got stronger somehow, um, which is kind of odd. But how do you feel about Flaherty? Guy's been good. Can he hold up in Cincinnati? 23 straight innings of shutout ball uh, going into Sunday's game, 157 strikeouts. Uh, I think you'll get his strikeouts, but I really would not feel good about uh, putting him out there. Like you mentioned, the Reds are hitting the daylights out the ball. Aquino hit his 11th home run on uh, Saturday. He's coming in at $4,200. Uh, you mentioned you know, guys such as uh, Van Meter, Suarez, uh Suarez has been hitting the ball well. A guy that could be sneaky good if they put him in the lineup would be Philip Irving at uh, $2,500. Uh, they play maybe once or twice a week, but it seems like anytime he's in the lineup, he tends to be effective. Yeah, like I, I want to pitch Flaherty, but I don't want to pay the price tag because I'm going to want Boston bats and Toronto bats. They're not going to all come cheap. He's 10-7 versus a tough matchup, but dude's been lights out. you know. So this is when you're you kind of get in the situation if he was cheaper, I would take that chance. But at 10-7, as much as I want that upside, I'm also a little bit worried. So I'm going to think about if there's a cheaper guy 
and there is in the next game. And he's was the first half of the year AL Cy Young, most likely, or close to it. Uh, Matt Boyd came out the, the season like gangbusters, was just dominating. Nobody even knew his name going into the season, and he was crushing it. Um, a lot of 50-point games, 40-point games, double-digit strikeout games. Been a little bit shaky as of late, though, in his last two starts, coming off a tough one in Seattle, an even worse one versus Kansas City. But before that, you were expecting 30, 40 points. Tampa Bay's cooled down a little bit. How do you feel about Boyd coming off a couple of bad games? He's discounted lower than the other aces, so he comes in cheaper than Flaherty, cheaper than Clevenger, cheaper than Wheeler. Um, he might be the safest landing spot in a pitcher's park um, with some upside, with some strikeout potential, with the win potential because Tampa's been you know struggling a little bit. How do you feel about Boyd? Uh, his weaknesses will certainly uh, be neutral, uh, be neutralized out of Tropicana Field. He's got the second most home runs allowed uh, in the majors with 30 on the season. And That's shocking. I would have, I would have yeah. never guessed that. Never yeah. would have guessed that. Yeah, he, you know, he is second. You know, second uh, you know, in the American League with 30 home runs. He's given up seven over his last eight innings in those two rough starts that he's had. Uh, the Rays aren't a team that's going to hit the ball out of the park uh, with that kind of frequency. So if you are one of those that are looking to try to stack the Red Sox or the Blue Jays or even the Reds, uh, Boyd is a pretty good option here. Yeah, I think at that price tag on Fanduel, he makes the most sense. You know, he's going against a team that's in a pitcher's park, not so explosive, price tag the cheapest of the aces. So those, like, check boxes that I mentally make when I'm making my lineups, he's got a couple of them. You know, he's probably got more than anybody else in the slate because I think he's priced at the right amount. I don't know if that's a sucker's price that, you know, it's forcing you to go grab him when there's guys with maybe more talent than him, a little bit more expensive, but he makes sense to me. I can put Boyd in my lineup with JD and Mookie, and then I got an average player of around $2,800 on FanDuel. So it's a good little good little start to my lineup. I'm not going to really grab any bats from this game, but I think Boyd makes a lot of sense. Next game, we got Freed versus Gonsolin. This looks like a neutral spot to me. You know, lefty versus Dodgers lineup. Then Gonsolin, have you seen this kid pitch live yet? Uh, I, I have not seen him uh, pitch live as of yet. Yeah, I saw a little bit of him. You know, I, I believe it was his last start. He had seven Ks and six innings versus St. Louis. I don't really know what to make of him after watching the, the one start I did watch. So it's a situation where, you know, I'm probably going to stay away. He's cheap, but I'm going to stay away. And then from a stack perspective, I don't I don't know what I'm going to do with Atlanta. I don't know if I want to attack Gonsolin or stay away from Gonsolin, but you know, it's something that we got to think about. Would you would you want to stack here in the hot Atlanta sun? I probably would not uh want to. You know, Gonsolin's probably going to be more of an opener of sorts here. Uh they're planning to uh have Justin May come out and uh come out behind him. So you're probably looking at about, say, maybe a couple of innings or so from Goslin. They'll give May about, say, maybe four or five innings of a relief ball. So that alone, you know, will kind of throw you off. You know, anytime that you have a team that's starting an opener, does kind of throw off your game plan a little bit. It's not that the Braves don't have bats that I would certainly want to have in there, uh, but I would probably stay away from this one on Sunday. Okay. I kind of agree with that. Um, next game got Anderson versus Fede. Um, this Milwaukee Washington game, it's late on Saturday night here in New York. 
and they're still battling it out. So maybe they come in a little bit tired. Maybe they're just they're out there. They're ready to swing again on Sunday. How do you feel about this matchup? I wasn't on it on Saturday night. I don't know if I'm going to be on it on Sunday. How do you feel about these two teams battling out Anderson and Freedy at the mound? Uh, Anderson might have some value if you're looking to go on the low end. Uh, you're looking at a guy who's allowed three runs or fewer in 10 straight starts. And you know, in 22 of his 24 appearances, he's allowed three runs or fewer. Uh, he's not going to give you a ton of innings. You, know, you can get him into the sixth inning or maybe the seventh if you're lucky. Uh, he could be someone who would be, could be a real strong value here. Uh, Fetty has looked good in his last couple of starts. Uh, I don't think that I would want to consider a stack with either lineup here, but uh, I would strongly take a look at Anderson as someone that could be a bargain play for you. Okay. You know, maybe on a two-pitcher site like DraftKings, he might be your SB2. I can get behind that. These two teams, are the, the fact that they're battling for playoffs, you know, I think we can maybe get somebody better here, and like I said, with maybe a Boyd type. But on an SB2, I do agree, get him for some value, and he hangs in six innings. Maybe gets you to win on DraftKings. Um, last game in the early slate on FanDuel. We got Wheeler versus Sparkman. Mets have to win. They get a really, really tough, you know, rest of the schedule. And after facing Kansas City, it gets tougher. So they need this win. They need Wheeler to go out there on the road and, and pitch a great game. I like targeting pitchers against Kansas City. I think for GPPs and for cash games, Wheeler um, is definitely in play. At 11000 on FanDuel, he's quite expensive. How do you feel about Wheeler versus Flaherty versus Clevenger? Do we have, first, do we have Boyd sitting at the top and is, is it them three below them, or do you have any of these guys above Boyd, even ruling out Price? Uh, I would probably take a look at Anderson uh, as my top guy early on, followed by Boyd. Uh, you know, then Flaherty, uh, if Flaherty would probably be my number three here. Uh, Wheeler, yeah, I don't think I could put him in the top five uh, in, the, uh, in the afternoon slate, uh, the early afternoon slate. Uh, Royals do have some bats that are interesting and could uh, cause some damage here. Whit Merrifield's always a threat at the leadoff spot at $3,500. Uh, Hunter Dozier at 39 has uh, been getting the ball of well late. You know, Jose Solar is approaching 40 homers, and it's kind of a bargain at $3,600 at DraftKings. Yeah, you know, that's interesting. I, I don't know. I I think this entire season, if I had to guess, uh, four times I maybe played a, a Kansas City stack. Maybe the time to do it is against my Mets and trust a guy from uh, Texas and, and go against my team. I don't know. I don't know if I can get behind a Kansas City stack, even if it wasn't against the Mets. But, you know, it's definitely going to be low-owned. If, if you – if you hit a Kansas City stack tomorrow, Brandon, you're going to win a lot of money. And that's why sometimes you got to go against the green because if you go with the top stack and they do okay and they're 30% owned or 40% owned, you're not going to really make much headway anyways. But if you get a team like KC and they see Wheeler on the schedule, they're probably going to come in, I would assume, at 5% owned, most of their players, maybe even less, depending on who you take on Kansas City. So if those dudes, those three, four dudes that you grab or five dudes on DraftKings that you grab, Go out there and blow up Wheeler, which is definitely possible. Um, they're going to put you in serious contention. Not contention just to win a 50-50. I'm talking about contention to, to win a GPP because nobody's going to have them. And they're going to blow up. You know, and they do have some power. Solera has been hitting with power. Like Brandon said, Merrifield can do damage on the bases and hitting. 
So they're a sneaky stack, not one I'll be on top of, but does make some sense. Uh, Brandon, we're pretty much done um, talking these MLB. We gave you some knowledge for the NFL preseason games. We're going to be talking a lot more NFL. You're going to be hearing more from Brandon than you might even be hearing from me because Brandon's wheelhouse is football, um, along with some more Scott Angle. And David Jones is going to make his you know, appearance after he celebrates his $100,000 win. Um, so make sure you check us out on Twitter. Um, check us out winddailysports.com. Check us out on Twitter. Our private Slack channel, Brandon, you got to get in there more often too. Um, we're just talking baseball, football, golf, soccer, NASCAR, tennis. These guys are betting everything, sports betting, prop plays. We're all over the place. And it's somewhere you need to be if you want to make money. Like I said, David was he was putting his lineup out there and, and telling people who he liked on Cleveland, who he liked on the Mets. And he went out there and did it. And we're doing it pretty much every day. It's a different winner. And that conversations, like I wish I had somebody when I was making my lineups early in, the, in in my career, eight, ten years ago, where I can talk to 50 other people crunching lineups. You know, and that's what, what we're providing for people. We're giving you chances to crunch lineups and ask tough questions and take some of the pressure off and give you some confidence that you're going the right way. Or maybe make a correction when you're, you know, you're a little off kilter. And our, our users, some of our guys, they haven't played more than five, 10 games or some play in maybe a year or two. And these guys are having their biggest wins ever. Um, one guy hit for over a thousand dollars. Another guy hit for 500. It's happening. So we can really help you out. Brandon has been a pleasure again. Um, any finishing thoughts out there? Uh, the beautiful thing about it is that in a couple of weeks, uh, our football talk is going to be real. You know, we'll be focused more on the actual starters instead of trying to figure out the guys trying to make the roster. That's a beautiful thing. I certainly will start uh, getting into Slack a bit more. And um, you also remember, you know, with college football coming up, granted, we may not do a lot of fantasy college football, but, you know, we certainly have to feel that on Saturday morning. Wait, Brandon, let me hear this. Are you, let me, let me find out. Are you a big college football guy? I am a huge college football person. Huge college football guy. So, like, if, if I had some money, right, and I wanted to invest in some college football games, I should probably talk to you? Yeah, you and I should talk, perhaps, my friend. Okay, all right. All right, because college football, listen, man, like, if I can count the amount of minutes I have left in my day right now, I'm at, like, negative 10. If I add college football research to my docket, I'm never going to sleep. So I'm going to have to come to you. I'm going to take some action. Um, I don't know how I'm going to take it, but I'm going to come to you and I'll put you to the test when it's college football season. And if you want, hey, I'll put it out there in the air right now. If you want to run the college football division, I trust you to run it because nobody's running it right now. And we can do it all day, every day. So if you want it, man, it's yours. Well, take a look at it and see. I mean, I'm a busy person as well, but it's certainly something we can uh, discuss between now and the start of the season. All right, man. Who's your college football team? Uh, my college football team, I grew up you know, as Anthony Carter fan, so I've been a Michigan fan for years. Oh, we we do. Listen, before we started talking, we were talking, me and Brandon, about different things. He's talking how he was an Eagles fan, and I was talking, and a, and a Red Sox fan, which from New York, talking to a dude from, from Texas, this makes no sense to me. And now you tell, and I was telling him I'm a, I'm a Met fan and, and a Niners fan, and now he's telling me he's a Michigan fan. And we finally found something in common. Michigan is my team for college football. So nice. um, that, that's one thing we can share. Um, how do you think they're going to do this year? Uh, if Harbaugh opens up the offense, I think this is a team that will go into uh, the Ohio State game undefeated. How do you like Harbaugh? Like I, As an NFL coach, I thought dude was great. I thought he was a winner. 
I thought I liked his attitude. I thought he was I thought he was great, and I thought he's gonna do great things for Michigan. As a Michigan fan, how do you feel about him? Like just him as a person from the outside, not studying every move he makes. I if I had a team, I want him to coach it. How do you feel about him riding your Michigan squad? I think that this is the year he finally realizes that a lot of the, the mindset that he had in the NFL uh, does not work uh, in college. I think he's going to have to open up the offense a heck of a lot more uh, than he has in his time at Michigan. You know, Shane Patterson's a quarterback that can get the ball downfield. And honestly, you know, instead of, you know, going bring back by committee the way he's done, a lot of pro set stuff. Spread this ball out. Michigan's got a deep set of talented wide receivers. Put that ball in the hands of uh, Shea Patterson, and I promise you this is a team that would be a legitimate national championship threat. Where are they ranked going into the season? Uh, I think that they will probably be ranked uh, anywhere between uh, the 7 and 12 spots uh, in the country. I think that they probably are the best to me. I think they are the best team in the Big Ten going into the season with Ohio State, maybe Michigan State right behind them. Uh, so if they can just get stay consistent offensively, you know, defensively, yeah, they blew some, they blew a gasket at the end of the season with Ohio State and then the debacle in the bowl game against Florida. But I think that it's something that they've moved past. Uh, if that defense plays solid and the offense can be consistent and put up points, uh, I think that this is a team that can truly run uh, the to run into uh, run the table in the Big Ten going into the Ohio State game. I think you know best case scenario they do go into uh, the Ohio State game undefeated, but I wouldn't be shocked if they slipped the game. But I do think that they will go into the Ohio State game with a very good shot at going into uh, New Year's Day six. That'd be sick, man. You know, I'd like to see. I mean, I haven't seen Michigan there. I think it'd be good for the country to have Michigan in there. Change it up a little bit, get Ohio State out. Um, but I like what they did, you know, this whole expansion, um, the bowl games and all that kind of stuff. Should be an interesting year. I follow college, not as much as NFL, of course, but if you're going to be talking college and we're going to be playing some college football, definitely follow some more. It's going to be a big season. I just think with everything that's changing um, with sports betting and fantasy and college football, you got the NFL coming back, MLB coming back. It's going to be an interesting 2019 finish going into 2020. And I'm really happy to have you on the team, Brandon. And I hope everybody's winning some money on Saturday night and going into Sunday with some green screens. And we'll be back on Monday. Have a good night, Brandon. All right. Thanks a lot, man. Later.